Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hello and welcome to Big Gay Energy. I'm Bree. I'm Theora. And I'm Caitlin. Come along with us while we dive into the fun and nuances of queer media. Representation matters and we're here to talk about it. Welcome, everyone. This is the first, I guess, inaugural media episode of Big Gay Energy. Can you believe we got here, guys? We made it. No. 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 It's all been a dream. I've been pushing for this since I got here. Yeah, this is everyone say thank you to Caitlin. We're here because Caitlin is a pusher of um, media. I am pushy. (laughs) You're not pushy. Caitlin just want to take over the world. Right. I do domination. Yeah. And you need to be a boss to do that. So welcome to our big gay agenda. Caitlin just spoiled it. <laughs> so today we're going to be talking about uh, paper girls. But before we kind of jump into that, we wanted to like kind of preface a few things for our longtime listeners who may have been listening to us talk about Motherland for Salem. And I wanted to make sure everyone was aware that we're adopting a new format going forward in the big gay energy world. So first big change is that Caitlin, as you can see, will be joining us for the entire episode. So yay. Um, Moment of silence for Caitlin's corner because it's over forever. Caitlin's Um, just here um, now. Wait, why does she get Darth Vader? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, because of world domination. (laughs) I mean, Whether thinking. you want it or not, I'm here now. We all wanted it. So Caitlin will be joining us for the entire episode and not just like her sad little corner at the end. Um, and second. <laughs> sad little corner. Well, it sounds like Caitlin in the corner. <laughs> you just like downgraded it to taps now. No, I love <laughs> Caitlin's corner. I'm sad. I'm honestly sad that it's gone because... You just never knew what was going to happen in Caitlin's yeah. corner. We might still have to have just like a little segment where I just ramble off all my random thoughts while watching things. I mean, if you want to revive Caitlin's corner, I don't think anyone will be sad about that because Caitlin's corner. I don't know how to organize notes, apparently. That's okay. <laughs> this is going to be a journey, everyone. And second change is that instead of fully recapping a piece of media scene by scene like we did with Motherland, we're going to basically cherry pick topics from the piece of media that we're covering including like characters and talking about them themes we noticed the representation in the media and we will still do like scene breakdowns but just of the ones that we found particularly meaningful and we'll pick them apart mostly the gay ones of course that's why we're here so just for those that have been listening this is gonna be a little bit different but same kind of content and more caitlin so Mm. it'll be fun and uh, last thing is we have um, some announcements that Caitlin's going to share with us. Yes, because we have been finding that people actually love us and we love them. 
So we have decided that every the beginning of each month we're going to just kind of shout out our monthly supporters who have generously donated money to us, which is definitely not expected. So Kathleen and Andrea are our current monthly supporters, and we are very grateful. But Andrea has also generously donated a nice donation to us that we will be figuring out how to put best forward and trying to do as much good with it as possible. Thank you. Yes, thank you guys for doing that. We uh, we are surprised people even listen to us, let alone are so moved that they want to support us in such exactly. a way. So thank you very much for that. It really means a lot to us. And it's definitely not expected. No. But if you would like to, you just go to anchor.fm slash BGE pod and there's a supporter button that you can donate Anytime someone gives us things or supports us, we kind of get blown away and don't know how to react. So it's like, wait a minute. We're still surprised you like us. Yeah. Kathleen was the first one and Bree and I woke up to the email and we were just like, did we read that right? Yeah. Is that <laughs> like people actually really? want to? Okay. So if you enjoy keeping us on our toes, <laughs> you can support us. <laughs> But no, any 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 little piece of support, just the, like a shout out on social media, like a review yeah. on Apple, like it all means a lot. Joining to us. the Discord, joining our Discord, and yelling at us and and our other fun, amazing peoples. Commenting on the YouTube videos. Yep. Any of that, like any of that. Subscribing to YouTube. Yeah, subscribing. To so the close channel. to monetization. Yeah, I'm we so are excited. really stupidly like it's tantalizingly close. Yes. I, world domination. Woo. So if you want to be a part of the big gay energy agenda for world domination, the please support agenda. us in any way, shape, or form that you see fit. And just a heartfelt thank you. And this, our one-year anniversary, we wanted to thank you, thank you, thank you for supporting us. Like, we wouldn't be here still doing this if it wasn't for all of you guys. So thank you all. It is the one-year anniversary of them recording the first episode. I was not planning on putting that part in this episode, but now we have to say it because you just brought it up. I mean, you can cut it out if you want. Oh, we'll decide later. Sorry, I didn't know. <laughs> you didn't share your master plan, Caitlin. I can't. <laughs> okay, fine. She's up to something. Then take two is... Thank you all for your support. We wouldn't still be here doing this and growing like we're growing if it wasn't for all of you and your support. So we thank you very, very much for that. And with all of our love, we will now transition to the topic at hand. So today our topic is Paper Girls. So just a brief synopsis of what it is. It's a comic book series that was written by Brian K. Vaughn and illustrated by Cliff Chang. That was recently adapted to a TV show that is currently streaming on Amazon Prime. The story itself follows four 12-year-old girls in 1989, or 1988, sorry, on their morning paper route the day after Halloween, which is Hell Day. So, tis the season right now. 
And they accidentally end up in the middle of this time war and learn about their futures in the process. So the reason we picked this show to launch, but basically big gay energy media episodes is because the show was recently canceled by Amazon Prime. So they didn't pick it up for a second season. The interesting part about this particular show is that Amazon doesn't own the sole rights to the television show. It's It was a co-production between Prime and Legendary Television. So Legendary Television is actually network shopping right now for the show to pick it up for a second season. And so if you like this show, please like stream it and support it because it has a really good shot of actually getting picked up by another network because there's not that rights entanglement that we often get trapped in with other shows. And so hopefully this will entice you to watch it and stream it and support it and tweet about it and all that stuff because, you know, got to support your gays who are trying to get picked up. So that is why we are here. And that's the good we hope that comes out of this. Also, side note, if you haven't watched Paper Girls or read the comics or anything, um, maybe don't listen to this right now because we are actually going to spoil both of those things. Just an FYI. So if you were only have watched one and you don't want to be spoiled for the other, we're going to spoil everything. So just I wanted to warn everybody in case you weren't prepared for that. Especially the gay back. parts. All the gay parts. Yes. Turn this off. Whatever you turn this off. Go watch it. Maybe watch, maybe read the comics if you want to. You can get them through the library, which is super cool. I didn't know you can get comics through a library. Really cool. And then come back and listen to us like rant about it. Yeah, but make sure you come back. But come back. Yeah, we um, we love you all. We want to talk about it. All right. So now that you've all come back, come back to listen to us. Let's dive into Paper Girls. First point I wanted to bring up about Paper Girls is the the characters. So I mentioned that there's four 12-year-old girls. Those are like the leads of this of the show of the comic book. And what I really love about the show is that they're all played by child actors, which is not usually the norm. Like typically we we see a lot of like adults playing kids. And so I really love that they actually have child actors here and they're all very talented actors. So shout out to all of them, personally. Can I explain why? Yeah, please do. Okay, so there is a good reason why like over 18 people play teenagers. If you're under 18, they have to have a school teacher. You can't work past a certain time. You can't work past a certain amount of hours, amount of hours at a time. There is so much scheduling issues and conflicts that happen with minors. They also have to have parents on set. And we know from previous interviews that parents can be a lot on set. So there's just a lot going on. It's more expensive and it's a headache. (laughs) Yeah. And like babies are even like worse to work with because you don't know how they're going to react yeah that's why they hire twins and triplets for things for one baby because they can just switch them out and not have them working all at the same time it's just it's it's a lot but it's needed because we don't want the industry overworking these children like they already do like there's so many and if a sorry this is off topic but if someone gets emancipated that goes away like that child can now work as many hours as possible. See any Disney Channel actor that was emancipated. 
Yes. Because <laughs> that's what they're talking about their, Demi Lovato. Yeah. Their agents are like, you should get emancipated. So and <laughs> you don't realize it. Anyway, that there's an episode in that someday. <laughs> Money. <laughs> Caitlin and I both like have taken journeys in this area, so no, thank you for sharing. Well, like paper girls. <laughs> no, child labor laws are, are no, yeah. Important. But I assume it worked better here because you had like multiple kids, so you can get one teacher, and so maybe yes. it worked a little bit better. It's all it's usually one teacher for all age groups too. Yeah. Like they just teach yeah. all of them. It's that just makes like, sense. normally on set, I pretty sure they go to their normal school districts, their teacher gives them homework. And then that's what they do on set and the school teacher would help them with it. Or they would just be taken out of school completely and they'd be homeschooled and do it online. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. That makes sense. But they have to have like a teacher present. Very uh, cool. Also, Fina is the oldest. She will have just turned 17 a few days before this episode airs. Uh, on she... November 3rd. November 3rd. She plays KJ for those that don't know. Just She's the day before my sister's birthday. Yay! Yay! Um, so, hold on. So, there's one more thing I want to mention about Fina. And I already told Theor, but I think this is so cute and adorable and I love it. It uh, is. She was the youngest Matilda on Broadway uh, in 2014 in July. July 2014, she started as Matilda on Broadway and did it until June of 2015. And... How old was she? She's probably yeah. like either between seven and nine. I can't do the math right now because we'll be here forever. Yeah. We're gay, so we can't do math. <laughs> I love math, but that's another topic. <laughs> so for that like small child, like working that much that whole year. Yeah. Just, yeah. I'm, I'm amazed. And she's really cute. I would look it up on YouTube. Yes, go look it up. She's adorable. Like, yeah, she's awesome phenomenal little actor so i love that and i also love that um part of this too is like i feel like a, a bit we're gonna i'm gonna get into this a little bit more towards the end but one of the big things going on right now in at least circles that i keep hearing is like talks about generations so i wanted to note that these kids being portrayed are actually gen x kids and there's a line in the show that aaron says to mac at some point when they're talking to each other and she says there's a lot going on under the surface that you can't see. And I think that that's so important. And we often think about that kind of concept with adults where it's like, you know, you don't really, you can't possibly know like what's going on with another person. You can't walk in their shoes, but like that also applies to children too. And so I love that this, the point of view really in this show is showing kids and like the traumas that kids go through and that's and um, what they hide under the surface. And despite their age, they're still dealing with adult issues, too. And so I love the way that unfolds and is presented in this show through all of the characters and like the whole time war and all that stuff. It's really fascinating for me. I don't consume a lot of media that that focuses on kids. Um but I really, I really love the way this particular one was handled through the lens of like adolescence. It was just. I also feel like people amazing. forget how much kids really do like take yeah, on. Totally. They're just like, oh, they're just so immature in this. But no, they're really internalizing so much and 
taking on so much more responsibility, whether you think they are or not. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's one of the big things that is portrayed so well in this, in the comics and in this television show. And I just, I love it. Very well said. So with it, with that, we're going to, now we're going to jump into like all the kind of characters and, and highlight them. And we'll start first with the Tiffany and Aaron and then get into the gay stuff because that's why you're all here. But I wanted to highlight Tiffany and Aaron because I think there's a lot to be said about the two of them also. And we'll start first with Tiffany. And so Tiffany overall is um, her main like representation that she portrays. So all every single character like has awesome representation attributed to them. Not only are they like adolescents, but they also have their own unique facets of representation that I love. And just as a group, they're just a, a cool collective of characters. So Tiffany Quilkin is the black gamer nerd, which I love. Like, I feel like we don't see that enough, but that's who Tiffany really is. The gamer part is a lot more explicit in the comic books. It's hinted at in the show, but that's like essentially who she is. And she's just seems to have like it all figured out all the time she has this like massive ego god complex and she even like as a child like projects this with adults too like when she meets older Aaron, she's like very like quick to insinuate that like you don't know what you're doing you're not me like even as an adult and she's like, we need to find me. I have the answers to everything. So she definitely has this like God complex as like a child that like mellows out a bit when she's an adult. Thank goodness. <laughs> I can see where that makes her very unlikable for sure. Do you have a rant, Caitlin? You look like you do. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, so I'm going to be fair. She annoyed me. Sure. Very much so. But I would also like to note that I annoyed me as a child. Like, I think back to things I did, and I hate myself. (laughs) Fully. I've seen videos. I hate how I was. Change your battery pack. Oh, yeah. Caitlin. Damn it. Yeah. Pause. Thank you. But I was in the middle of a rant. Damn it. (laughs) Tiffany. I don't know what I just said. But I think I, she really annoyed me. That's, that's the last part I remember. And then you annoyed you as a child and then to be fair. And then your camera went out. (laughs) Oh yeah. To be fair. That was, that was my next argument. So that poor girl is a minority. She's had to deal with so much more than other people just due to her skin color. So she had to have fought her whole life anyway. So she knows, that's all she knows is to fight for her voice to be heard. I, at least I'm assuming, but like that's, especially with this time period. So that kind of gives, I don't want to say pass because that's not the right word for it, but it, it just gives you, you insight into her. why she is like, this is what we have to do. Like, this is how we need to go to MIT and why she's so adamant on being successful because I feel like she thinks that she has to prove herself and like nothing less is good. So I understand that she just doesn't go about it the right way, but I mean, she's 12. And it's hard to remember that because I feel like people are used to seeing older 
even like older teenagers in these mm-hmm. types of things. So 12 years old, I feel like that's an age that people don't fully look back on. You either think of like elementary, like young elementary or like 16. Those are the years. I don't really know because it's you know, whatever. But continue. Uh, bring your counter argument. I don't know that I have a counter argument since your rant mellowed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was like insightful like, analysis. of rant. And- yeah. <laughs> I I guess I just have some, I guess I'll just add that I'll say that Tiffany was the, okay, I'm going to preface this with, I don't enjoy children. I'm one of those people. Even when I was was a child, I didn't like children. (laughs) Because my, for some reason, my brain was at a place where I identified more with adults than I did with people my own age. Same. Same. So when I, I knew this show was going to be tough for me on some levels because watching children annoys the shit out of me because they're making child decisions. And I can't, I know logically that they're children, but it's just not something I enjoy watching normally. So I had to look past all of that. And at the end of the tunnel there, I identified the most with Tiffany because as a child, I was the one going, you guys are dumb. We need to do it this way. You guys are just getting lost in the fucking weeds over there. And I'm over here making clear decisions on this, this, and this is the way we get to point the in whatever point we're trying to get to so i identified with tiffany on that level um i also back to one other thing you said about her growing up um in this time period as an african-american kid who was well smart beyond her years she when she walks into that when they walk into that party Mm -hmm. at kj's house and she's like yeah of course it's all white people there's no black people here yeah like finally that's when you understand they said it yeah and you you kind of get that i'm really glad that they put that in there so clearly so you could understand where her character is coming from in that regard and also we got to see this geeky video game nerdy intelligent super cool kid that you don't often get to see african-american characters as so that's a huge thing i loved it tiffany was my favorite she's not even the gay one surprise surprise that's saying something that is saying something i see Uh, how she's annoying to everyone else because i was annoying to everyone (laughs) yeah i was like remember when i said i hated myself yeah, a lot of Tiffany things. <laughs> it was like my aunt came up to me one time when I was around the age of seven, six or seven, and my uncle happened to be in town, and I was apparently making a mud pie, and my aunt goes, what are you doing? And I was like, making a mud pie? It's like, why are you doing that? It's for, for the dude, meaning my uncle. So I was making <laughs> him food, and I was in my little kid brain, was like, uh, duh, logically, I am making my guest food. <laughs> I could just see little Bree doing that. 
And being so serious about it. Yeah, I was so serious. My aunt thought it was hilarious. I don't remember it at all, but she was like, you were so serious. (laughs) That's amazing. This, I mean, this is where my brain went with this. Oh, she said that actually said the boy, making the boy boy. a pie, referring to my uncle. Who, well, to be fair, he acted like a child, even though he was over 18. Right. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, there's yeah, some there's people that. like that. Mm-hmm. Um, Boys. You mm-hmm. just, I feel like this might be something Tiffany would do when she was, like, younger. Just because she has, like, this type of entrepreneur, like, go get it. I used to uh, sell pretend hot dogs to people. For I love cents. that. I love it. <laughs> That's give me money though of course it would because you're a would. cute kid yeah <laughs> i'm yeah. just like six years old going up to people in this bar and <laughs> be like you want a hot dog why are you in this the bar is, is my question i actually grew up in a lot of bars because um because my mom was in drum corps so she played a mellophone and they would always rehearse in these places but downstairs there's always a bar because people like to drink she like was us. in what uh, drum corps. Drum corps, yeah. Drum corps! I did not hear that. What I heard was my mom was a drunk whore. <laughs> <laughs> and you know how there's usually bars in those homes? <laughs> Duh. <laughs> this is a family-friendly podcast so break. <laughs> it sounded so similar. Drum corps. This is where I got it, right? This is so off topic, but my mom would come into school and she helped run one of the spelling tests and she made people spell drum corps and mellophone. And I was the only one who would actually know it because she would put those in my like pretend spelling when she would do homework with me, but whatever. Continue. (laughs) Brie and I had interesting childhoods, apparently. (laughs) So that segues into Paper Girls in no way, shape, or form. <laughs> but hey, yeah, no, Paper hey. Girls, because they had to collect quarters. For papers, uh, yes, exactly. No, I think hot dogs. Right. Why don't we get Theora's thoughts on Tiffany? Yeah, I was trying to roll it back. So I love I love all that insight, and especially about her her perspective, like growing up as an African-American child and still having this kind of like survival outlook I love that you brought that up Brie I think that's so poignant and I think we really get the gist of that and how much that really impacted her when younger Tiffany meets older Tiffany later on I mean before prior to them meeting you kind of see like the reason I think she annoys a lot of people is it really stems from this god complex that's really just a, a kid who feels like she doesn't have control over her life And so she overcompensates by trying to control everything. And so this constant thing we hear from Tiffany is that like, you know, I'm going to be valedictorian. I'm on track to be valedictorian. I'm on track to go to MIT. And it's like, you know, she has this um, drive to prove herself, like you said, and this really eagerness to, to just do it. Um, And, and, and while that's really, that that's great. It also comes to her detriment because it makes her reckless in her pursuit of this. And the tragic piece about it is like where that all really stems from and her, her um, skin color and her like journey through life because of that definitely is part of it. Um, I think, like you said, but I think it, it also comes from her family too, which 
is totally intertwined with that. Um, and I'll get into that in a second. But Tiffany kind of comes off as like a know-it-all and egotistical. And Aaron has this line to Mac when the two Tiffany's meet where um, Aaron, Mac says, oh, Tiffany has always been in love with herself. Like, and that's kind of how it comes off that she just, she's always right. She's so self-assured. T- uh, only Tiffany has the answers. Like, and I kind of love that, like, when those two meet each other, the, the old Tiffany, younger Tiffany, like, no one, like, at no point do either of them seem surprised to, like, see each other. Like, whereas the Aaron's freak out, like, the Tiffany's are just, like, cool. And then older Tiffany's like, oh, yeah, time travel? Okay, I can explain that logically, duh. Like, it's just, there's no surprise. They're just like, oh, yeah, you're me. Like, She probably, like, looked cool. into it and was just like, hmm, I'm probably gonna invent that one day. Yeah, yeah. Like they probably just move past it, and they just vibe. They do. They they totally vibe with each other, which is so cool because a lot of the times in like other media, when it's like young self meets old self, it's just like f- full on freak out and screaming. But these two are just like they they do vibe like immediately. Like young, older Until Tiffany, like little Tiffany finds out. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. but I mean, like when they first meet is what I'm saying. Yeah. Like their initial meeting, it's just it's instant vibing, and they're like. It's almost like watching two sisters in a way. Yeah. And one that really, that are super similar. Yeah, exactly. And so I love the, the progression is exactly like that. Like at first it's like, yeah, Tiffany hasn't changed. Like she's the same person. They're vibing with each other, but then it, it deviates and it starts breaking apart when like Younger Tiffany is, like, on the couch watching her, like, valedictorian speech and that whole thing. And older Tiffany comes in the room and she's like, oh, my God, you're still doing that? She's like, it's, like, success porn for you. And, like, it's, like, a call out on, like, that ego thing that we're, like, reading into her. And I love this clash because while the Tiffany's are presented as kind of, like, know-it-alls, whereas, like, older Tiffany's like, yeah, time travel, that all makes sense and stuff, like we can see that there's there's more under the surface like that line from earlier and older tiffany like calls her out and she's like you're you're full of shit like this is all bullshit like what you're watching and i love the clash because like it's older tiffany being like i'm right you're wrong whereas before that they've been on the same page with like we're both right kind of thing and later on in episode seven they go to a coffee shop and this is where like this is where we like get under the surface and see what's really going on with Tiffany as a whole. Because up till now we've seen like, she does become valedictorian. She does go to MIT. So all that stuff she's been like gunning for her whole life. She gets it. But then it's like, why do we have this like blue haired DJ in a club Tiffany in the future? And Tiffany says this line, older Tiffany says this line, she, to put it into perspective where she says, you're so focused on who you should be and how to get there that you have no idea what you really like, what you want or what you really are. And yes, to all of this, I feel like this is like a common struggle. Like I I had this kind of, I relate to Tiffany too, because I had this kind of mentality, like trying to get into pharmacy school and like going through residency and like doing all that stuff where it's like you're so focused on the goal that you ignore yourself in order to attain it basically and you come out at the end and you're just like who the fuck am I and that's kind of like the detriment of this like success route and Tiffany says this thing too, right um older Tiffany she says right now as a 12 year old 
when you're having this dream and you see this path and you're gunning for it, you think all this success is going to make you feel whole because that's what like you're taught, right? And she's like, you think it's going to make you feel different, but I'm here to tell you that you're just going to be you when you get there. And it's like, you have to face who you are at the end of the day. And when you're like entrenched in like stress and like chasing a goal, like you're just, you're just thinking about the goal. You don't think about you. And like, at the end, you're just like, who the fuck even am I? And so that manifests in like Tiffany having this midlife or not midlife, like a quarter life crisis when she, when it all comes like crashing down on her, you know? But it's also the preconceived notion of what success is. Ex- yes that is that is the next part exactly and Sorry. like no 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 and like for tiffany the tragic part is like and i feel like this is really common it's like the concept of success like whose concept is this first of all and so in this scene too we find out that tiffany is actually a, like adopted and her mother her adopted mother was the one that really drove her towards this success was the one who like kind of it's insinuated that like these these are mom's dreams for you so it's like it's a generational thing too where the older generation this is what happened to like all the millennials and why we all got fucked with all this like college debt because the old the generation before us is like go to college don't worry about you just you need this to be successful like that equals success and so you just go after it and at the end you have it and you're like did I even really need to do this? Was this the really the right move for me personally? Or was I just doing what some, was I living somebody else's dream? And that's kind of like the rose colored glasses coming off for Tiffany. It's like, she's living this notion of what success is, but it's, it's not even hers at the end of the day, you know? Do you, are you okay? Me? Yeah. Sorry. Everything got quiet, but I have a question. Yeah. Um, do you think, I guess, what what's your opinions on her mom not telling her she was adopted? Yeah, I, I mean, eventually her mom does, but it's like, I mean, I it's we don't know in time. It is a long time. But also, like, when is the time to tell your kid they're adopted? Like, how? Yeah. I don't, I have no experience in that. I don't I, either, obviously, but. <laughs> I don't like, know enough to comment on that. I feel like, what I feel do like you... when you're talking about family trees in, like, elementary school and stuff. And... I don't know, because, like, when do you, when does that concept, it's so hard to, to know when a child is going to yeah. grasp all of the concepts and reasons for these kinds of things. And, like, not every school does the family tree thing either, so. I don't think we did, but. <laughs> um, yeah. It's, I think that that is something that is on a case-by-case basis and up to the parent of that child. <laughs> and I cannot comment on what would be right or wrong in any of those situations. I can see why putting it off would be uh, to, until they can really probably either i could see the the reasons for putting it off i can see the reasons for doing it earlier rather than later so i yeah. just think it's uh, on a individual basis yeah it exactly it depends on the family and the child and their i feel like tiffany is like logical enough that maybe she she could have con- like i feel like it was too late for her i but also it could be like her mom trying to be controlling I feel like mm-hmm. like because like she wanted what was best for her so she's like no I'm your mom like this is I don't want you thinking anything different yeah 
I could also see how, I how like to meet her mom. telling her could be used as a way to say, well, you're adopted, so you have more to more work to do to live up to the standards of this family kind of thing. Yeah. So totally. it could go either way. Yeah, and I think regardless of, like, how that kind of, like, the reasoning for that and how it, you know, played out with her mom, the the bottom line is I feel like that was her breaking point. I think once, because it happened when she was already in MIT and, like, discovering that MIT wasn't what she thought it was going to be because older Tiffany's, like, basically hinted at, like, I was the only Black person there. Like, she was, she's like, I, I wanted to get to this place, but I didn't belong here. Like, and it, it didn't occur to me until I was actually there. This is not for me. And she was already struggling with that. And then her mom tells her this. And it's kind of like my entire life has been a lie. Like all of it. Like this whole thing I've been doing is bullshit. Now my family's not even my family. So it almost looks like she cuts ties with them. And is like, fuck this. I need to figure out who I am as the individual. Mm -hmm. And like in the end, it was better for Tiffany. Because she does, she does forge her own path. She creates her own institute. Like she figures out what makes her happy. Which is another, another thing I love later. When younger Tiffany starts calling older Tiffany out for like being lazy and like all this stuff. She's like, this is a phase, this blue haired stuff. But older Tiffany's like, you got to figure out what makes you happy. And I thought that was like a good message too. Cause like we often forget that like people who are like driven by success, like make yourself happy and figure out what that is. And like, that takes a lot of self-reflection and nobody really teaches you how to do that, which it's unfortunately, and you're seeing that like play out into a child, like with a child who like really, doesn't know herself like that's the tragic part of tiffany she really doesn't she's just doing what she's been told to do and what success is and it all blows up in her face you know in this horrific way kind of thing but yeah i think i really do think tiffany's story was the most interesting to me personally And, and my i liked adult tiffany more than I like adult Tiffany more. Adult Tiffany is really cool, and I love that. Like in the adult Tiffany is like cool and hot. Like yeah, (laughs) no adult that is consistent across both medias. Yes, they look exactly alike. They do. The casting of the show is on point. Like I looked at, I was like, which one was made first? Because I like nerdy girls, and when she starts talking about time travel and like formula, I'm like, damn girl. Oh, I love it so much. And then what I, they didn't show in the, in the TV adaptation as much as like the gamer part of Tiffany. So I love this thing they do in the comics. Like young Tiffany is obsessed with this video game that she gets. And they, they keep showing it through these dreams where she's just, or not a dream, but it's like memories of like her, like fixated on beating this game. And she's Mm -hmm. just like, it's one of those games where it's like, you can't save it. So you have to like keep playing like until you beat it, like level after level. And you see her getting better and better. And eventually she beats the game and she's just like, what the fuck am I doing? I just wasted all this time playing this game. So like they, they tell the story of like her success and like, achieving her goal and it not making her happy at the end of the day through this like gaming experience that she has which i really really love but they it's so good it's tiffany is really cool like i love that character and older tiff in the comics is like a super badass and i just love the way she's just like down for whatever's going on like she never really questions anything she's just like yeah let's do it i'm gonna help these kids like whatever and they're like we might be stuck here for seven years she's like 
all right, well, I guess we'll just make some boundary rules. <laughs> she just goes along with whatever the fuck is happening. Like, she's really cool. I, I love Tiffany. Yeah, right. she's great. I think talking about this also made me respect younger Tiffany more. For sure. Yeah. I think we all forget what we actually were like as children. Yeah. And mostly, it was oh, yeah. probably annoying. I think that's yeah. kind of the beauty of this series and the comic, is to remember that stuff. Oh, absolutely. And yeah, hands down. So, uh, okay. So, all right. Any more Tiffany stuff? No, but I have a lot of. Okay. <laughs> there are two characters. There are two characters in this series that I wanted to slap around <laughs> so many times. In my irrational anger. <laughs> Is one of them Aaron, our next yes! character? <laughs> I, okay. okay, I will go off with you, okay? okay? Go for it. I like Aaron. <laughs> okay. <laughs> First, before you rant, who is Aaron? So I think what, I like Aaron's representation as a character too. So similar to Tiffany, she's also like a minority race-wise, but it, it's a little different with her. Whereas like Tiffany's family allegedly has been like living in America for a while, Aaron is a first generation immigrant. Um, like her mother immigrated from China and she's like the first generation living in America, basically. And she also has oldest child syndrome, which I relate to hardcore. So, do you guys want to rant first or do you want me to talk about Aaron first to provoke well, your Let's rants? rant first because I feel like we'll Go. like her by the end of your talk. Do it, do it, do it. <laughs> Why did Aaron get under your skin? Well, I mean, it's not okay. Like, I do understand, like, the second part of it, like, what I did with Tiffany, but let's first just go with the annoying stuff, Brie. Do it. I don't, like, it's just everything, like, the way she treated her older self, I'm just like, why don't you try to learn why she did those things? Why, why are you, like, just so angry with her? And, like, I get being disappointed, maybe, but just everything she does just pissed me off and I'm just like every time she opened her mouth like I think only time I felt bad was okay no there's a couple of times but like when she got shot I mean I that actually I didn't feel that much then, but <laughs> no emotions I'm just kidding so, like the candy bar thing when like the parents tried to give out the full size Mm -hmm. to like be light and having mm -hmm. to translate everything like those are the times where i'm like okay i get it but uh, brie can you give me specific examples because i just everything blends together and she just just annoys me okay <laughs> i understand where she's coming from not only with her <clears throat> anger at fu at future tiff uh, future tiffany a month future erin i understand it logically i get it I get why she's doing the things she's doing. Logically. I just find her incredibly annoying <laughs> while she's doing it. Number one. <laughs> Ma'am. Do you have... I just... She saw such a mixture of, like, whiny and also thinks that she knows more than she does about things, which is a kid thing. But <laughs> when she's so disappointed and pissed off at future her but future her is such like 
I think that what pisses me off more was future Aaron and oh, how of the both of them tiny Aaron like she let tiny Aaron beat the shit out of her basically emotionally because that's where she is in her life because she and then you find out later I get annoyed with her for her entire story where she's like yes where her sister's like well you like cheated me out of a relationship with my mom in the last uh, years of her life type thing and I'm like, how did it, how did it not occur to you? Because I too am an older child and I did not have the particular, I did not have the immigrant experience or the Chinese American specifically experience, but it's, it just drives me insane that they're both such wishy-washy they're so wishy-washy, and that's what annoys me. Specific things. The time that I felt the most sympathy for young Aaron was when old Aaron died. In I mean, having to watch yourself die. Okay, that's I was going to ask up. you guys, how would you even respond? Like, what would your reaction even be to that? My personal reaction yeah. would be... A Tiffany reaction, an older Tiffany reaction, I would be like, huh. And my first thought would probably be something like, I wonder how that affects the timeline. And then I wouldn't process the emotions for another 13 years. Yeah. I feel like my answer would be dark. Just because, like, <laughs> like mental states right now, I don't know, I'd be like, oh, okay, so that's when I die? I'm being like, but, like, what have I done up to that point? Is it worth it? Yeah, no, and that's totally what, that's totally yeah. a layer of what Aaron's going through is, like, fuck, I died, and my life was so disappointing and depressing and horrible. Yeah. So, well, yeah. not a, I guess it was too close to my depression for me to not be anything <laughs> but annoyed. Just get triggered by it. Yeah, because I'm, like, annoyed yeah. at myself totally. for my own life. And I'm, like, no, you have to stop that. It's like watching myself. I feel like watching my depression zone. Consuming any media when you're in different headspaces definitely changes your experience. Absolutely, with it. And also, yeah, my my mental health changes so much drastically. uh So even watching it the once through, it was a journey. I have a love-hate relationship with Aaron, so that's that's where I stand. I don't and think I ever got to the- I, I started at the love part because uh, her timidity and the way that she was trying to kind of go along and fit in with these girls, but like she yeah. didn't have the common experiences. Yes. Like, all these kids are so different. So it's, that's part of the cool thing is where they are at the end versus where they are at the beginning, where uh, Aaron is the new girl. And Mm -hmm. by the end, the new girl is a affectionate phrase that, you know, I think, um, who uses it affectionately at the end? Mac, yes. So. You're right. I didn't start 
she didn't start annoying me until she met older her. Exactly. That's the thing. I was like, I liked her until she met older her. Yeah. And then, and then she just, she's just so annoying. She spiraled into annoying kid zone for me. Yeah. Which makes sense for her character. Yeah, it really, it does. Actually. Just when she tried to get to know, like, why things happen and not blame her. Like, well, that's she- our... Uh, Go ahead. Good. Maybe she blames herself now. Exactly. And, That's yes. what she's doing. Yes. It's exactly what she's doing. She's like, yes. well, that means I didn't do things right now to get to the place where I need to be. So that's what, because Aaron's whole trajectory is she is trying to do everything at one time for everyone so that she can make the future better. And so when she sees older her, what she sees is fuck. I fucked up now. So I didn't do what I needed to do for everyone. And I fucked everything up. So she's taking, that's the problem. Like when her sister calls her the martyr, that's what she's getting at. Because Aaron took that all on herself and it annoys the shit out of me. Because <laughs> I want to slap her around and say, you don't have to do that. Yeah, Aaron, because of her her particular point of view and her experiences as first generation Chinese American with an immigrant mother, like she develops a savior complex. And like, and and we sympathize with her journey at the beginning, like you guys are saying, because her mother is struggling in a xenophobic society and her mom, like, I mean, they, you know, you come to America to chase the American dream and give her kids a better life. Their mom's facing all these like hardships where like the neighbors hate her because there's still World War II sentiment. <sighs> okay, where was I? Okay, yeah. So America's racist. And <laughs> and I love that they don't shy away from that. First of all, I will have a whole thing about this time period and how they handle it. But I think it's important with Erin that I think it, it shapes her too the way Tiffany was kind of shaped by the same thing. And it's more compounded in Erin because of um, the immigration piece from her mother and the way she kind of like is immigrating too because she's older than her sister Missy. And I think part of the disconnect later with Erin and Missy is that Missy was probably too young to like process any of this. And while this journey is really Aaron's mom immigrating, you know, better life for my kids. I came here. I will endure all these hardships and all the bigotry because I know what's best for my daughters. Like Aaron is also experiencing this too, because her dad died when she was young. And so like, instead of her mom and dad, like weathering this, like Aaron as a child is experiencing all of the xenophobia and stuff through her mother and herself. So that I think really changes her a lot. And part of the reason why she's in this position is because she's the oldest child. And so like, I relate to that with her, like as the oldest child, you're, you have extra expectations that are just put on you just by being the oldest. And and particularly in this situation where her mom has no one else. Cause there's no indication that like anybody else from Aaron's family immigrated. It looks like it's just them. And so that must be terrifying for like Aaron's mom to like be in this world, like in this situation where like she was she had a husband he's gone she's by herself raising these kids doesn't really speak the language very well gets made fun of because she doesn't speak the language very well they're isolated their neighbors don't like them and like that's terrifying and poor Erin like I think internalizes a lot of that because she's seeing 
her mom. And so because of all of this, she develops the savior complex because she has to step in as her dad, basically. She's forced to grow up way too quickly. And she's like, I have to be the one that goes to the bank with my mom because she can't communicate with them and, and we have to keep the house. And so Aaron has to be the one that steps in that does that. And I love that you guys mentioned the the chocolate bar thing too. That scene was really cute when they're all sitting around sharing the chocolate bar and poor Aaron says like, yeah, we, we hand them out on Halloween because my mom doesn't think the neighbors like her. So it's like, I think that's, that's a metaphor for the way they have to overcompensate because they're brushed off. as just like, oh, you guys are the ones that attacked us on Pearl Harbor. We had you in like camps not that long ago. There's so much prejudice against just like Asians as a group. And like, so they're overcompensating to be like, no, we're nice. Like we, we want to, we want to fit in. And, and, and Aaron kind of, tries to do the same thing in the beginning when all the paper girls get together where she's almost like the one who's trying to be the glue to keep them together. Like she, she's overcompensating the way her mother did with the candy bars. And, and while that can be a good role, like she, she becomes a really good caretaker and it all that Missy says later. And it, it really stems from this, like the, her childhood, she was forced to be the glue that kept people together. Um, she didn't want her family to fall apart and things like that. But to Aaron's she detriment to be in the government, like she wanted to be in the Senate, I believe. Yeah, and have so four she, four she, kids. Like, and <laughs> the American dream is what the she American wanted. dream. That's what it is. It, that exactly. Like I want to be American. That that's the goal. Like I want to fit in. That's what that really is. And like in an overcompensating way, not to just to be like I want a house with a white picket fence. It's like no, I want to be in the government with. I mean, two kids is the dream with four kids. So I'm overcompensating with the American dream. Like that's Aaron's dream is just fitting in. That's her dream. But she takes it too far. Like even that dream is taking it too far. Like she leans too far into the savior complex, into this older child thing. I need to fit in to keep everyone together. And it ends up like making you hate her because she's, it's too much. Like you guys are saying. And that, that, that's the tragedy of like Aaron's trajectory, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and so, like, as a kid, she learns to sacrifice herself for her family. All right. So, yeah, Erin is forced to be the glue for her family. And and we see her sacrifice herself for others. So it's, like, also kind of, like, an Asian, like, not Asian, but, like, West Eastern philosophy of, like, like um, all for one, one for all kind of mentality versus, like, America, which is just me for me kind of thing. She's Yeah. So it's, like, sacrificing for the community kind of thing. And Aaron ends up stepping in that role too to do it for her her mom and her sister by extension. Because again, this doesn't affect Missy because she's too young while this is all happening. And so if you look at Aaron that way, like her trajectory and older Aaron's sacrifice later really isn't surprising because she's been sacrificing herself since she's been a kid, you know? And she does it for her friends and her younger self. And it's that's who Aaron is. Like she will sacrifice herself to her own demise, which is like the tragedy of it really. Yep. Um, yeah. And uh, again, back to she's annoying, but the logic of why she's annoying makes so much sense that it's even more annoying because you just want her, (laughs) you just want her. It's like out of love or like out of you want her to be okay you're annoyed <laughs> yeah yeah and yeah and i think it 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 doesn't help too that like you see the way older aaron 
gets so weathered by all of this to the point where she's beating herself up and she has to keep giving herself this pep talk where she's like, I am seen, I am worthy emotionally, I'm going to win. And like, she can't, it takes her so long to get to the point where like in life I'm going to win. Cause like, I don't think she believes she, that she's worth anything by the end of this. Like it just, it chips away at Aaron to the point where it's like, who even are you, Aaron? Because like younger Aaron is like, we were going to do all these things and you're nothing. Like you, you are nobody. And it's because she sacrificed all of herself for other people. And it's very, very sad. And, you know, I, I love in this too, that they, they kind of show that more with Missy and Aaron, like in the comics, Aaron and Missy have a completely different relationship. And like, it's not like this really. Missy's still a pilot and all that stuff. But here, um, is like the first set of siblings we meet, we meet. There's two sets of siblings in this show. There's Aaron and Missy and there's Mac and Dylan. And they're very different in how they're presented. But what they have in common is you can tell that they, siblings love each other. Like you see like the younger version of Aaron and Missy, they clearly, they're very tight. Um, they love each other. Probably because mom didn't let them out very often. So they, they were forced together. And so they bonded very, very well. But then they get estranged as it gets, as they get older. And that all stems from Aaron just trying to protect Missy from all the trauma she had to endure by being like mom's savior. And so she's trying to protect Missy. She's like, I don't want you to feel any of this. Like you go live. So Missy got to live her life. She got to like have a husband and be a pilot, you know, that's very American. She joined the air force. Like she got to like kind of live the life Aaron envisioned for herself, that American life. Whereas Aaron didn't, she just, she never left mom's house. Like she's kind of living, doing a whatever job. She's clearly depressed. Like she's not living for her. She's just like keeping the stuff going and she's trapped in the past, which is why she's still in that house. She like never moves on. It's, it's, uh, it's kind of like Mac's fate where Mac doesn't get to move on, but Aaron traps herself like in her own past and where she can't move on, you know? I think it's extremely apparent in the scene where the only place that Aaron, older Aaron can think of to go to figure out the device that the kids had was this guy that she went on a date with at the store. Yeah. And it's the most awkward scene ever. It's the only thing she can, the only thing she can think of to figure this out is to go to this guy that she kind of like brushed off. It's so fucking funny. I also, I will say, I love how like sarcastic older Aaron is. I do too. I love it. And Ellie Wong is fucking awesome. I love her as older Aaron. She is great. She's phenomenal. Um, one of my one of my favorite older Aaron moments is it's not a great scene, but it's like when she finally um, when the robot scene's about to happen and she's like, oh, crap, I got to go pilot this thing because there's another robot and she leaves. She gives little Aaron that pep talk where she's like, hey, you're really good at taking care of people. I know you don't get that now, but like you are like, that's the thing you're really good at, which is true. And then she runs outside when she runs outside to get into the robot. She does this like mom run and it's so fucking funny. <laughs> like it's this really off like clearly she's like i don't run often it's so fucking funny i love it every time my, it makes me laugh my i think my favorite adult aaron scene is when she's in the robot and she's messing around with stuff and seeming like a little oh. kid again and then um god i always forget his name larry larry and such that's a why name. because i hate yeah. the name larry <laughs> So Larry is pretty much like, hey, this is not play around time. This is serious. The fate of the world depends on this. And she's just like, okay, the fate of the world depends on 
like the sarcasm. <laughs> so perfect. All right. So I had a little bit of trouble getting into the show. First of all, because my brain doesn't like to get into things unless I'm hyper focused on it. And secondly, because I felt like I was watching two TV shows in one. Mm -hmm. hmm. Plot wise. Ooh, do tell. Well, I just felt like we had the kids and then the time travel thing was on a different level for me. Okay. Yeah. And I, I, my brain was like, well, what do I focus on? I don't <laughs> like, <laughs> it just felt like two different narratives and they didn't bring it together until later in the season. Mm -hmm. And that's what kind of turned me off because I have a attention issue if I can't focus. So like I'm going along kind of kind of into the Aaron storyline and then they bring in the time travel, which just like felt kind of it felt like it was there. It left and it came back and then it threw me off when I got. So I think that was also a part of my problem with the whole Aaron storyline in, in some ways is because I, it felt discombobulated. Yeah, I can see that. By the interest. I felt like Aaron and Tiffany were two different shows. I mean, like everyone. When they met each, when each adult, it, it kind of just felt like two separate. No, I get what you're Yeah, I get what you're saying with that. It's like you had, you, I can see that. you had two different branch offs that were like, okay. At the end of the day, I feel like there needed to be more than eight episodes. They're saying it about every television show. Yeah, <laughs> I, that is true. I feel like yeah. the um, that might have to do with the TV adaptation compared to the comic books. In the comic books, it's very it's much more focused around the time travel stuff and like all the children meeting their future selves and kind of everything they go through is very very tethered to the time travel plot line. I feel like in the show, what they did is in, they did kind of disjoin it a little bit more by like focusing a lot more on the characters. Like they took a break and we're just like, let's focus on Tiffany for a minute and like mm -hmm. give you backstory and more like exposition from her and her older self. Whereas that, that wasn't so much in the comics in the comic books, you get pieces of that through the time travel plot line. So yeah, it does kind of feel like it's more separated, I guess. Yeah. I just I feel like they, they had a little bit of a problem adapting from comic book to show in that regard and were limited in the things they could do. And so they had to go about it the way that they did, but it's, it is, it is what made the show harder to watch for me. Yeah, I can totally see that. Um, with Aaron though, one last thing that I really love about Aaron was the pilot episode I love, they didn't do this in the, in the, in the comic. It's totally different. I love how they bookended that whole episode where like, it starts mm -hmm. with the older Aaron and you don't know what the heck's going on. Mm -hmm. And then they end it with like younger Aaron, older Aaron having their realization and saying, holy shit at the same time. Like that was, I, that was masterful. I love the bookending in the pilot. That was, that was nice. Beautiful storytelling. Yeah. I love that. Good stuff. I think that's, yeah. that's what that actually is what kept me be like, okay, I'll come back. Yeah. Was they had all these really great little quirky bits and pieces that made you it's like they had really shining moments and then the rest of the time I was kind of like okay 
I'm processing and processing. Where are you going? Yeah. Yeah. I, I need a map. I need I need Tiffany's map. I need to map. see this timeline. Where's Please the give timeline me Tiffany's map. map. Yeah. <laughs> I also need a dictionary for all these like time travel terms. Like I was super into the references and songs too, because that's like my childhood. <gasps> Whoever did the soundtrack. Yes. Beautiful. So the soundtrack and and when they were in 1999, I was like, oh my god, yeah. it's my it's my high school experience. And Tiffany puts on Whitney Houston. I was like, yep. yes, <laughs> the music is so good. I know and I that love it. DMB, that dumb shirt that. Oh my god, that's I love that they keep pointing it out. The dumb <laughs> shirt she's wearing. <laughs> I do love that. Were you so in high funny. school in 1989? 1999. Oh. <laughs> Yeah, I was like, I was born in 1988. I was a one-year-old when this was happening. In 1989, I was, um, well, sweet Jesus, why can't I count? I was six. Sweet lesbian Jesus. I was six in 1989. So. So yeah, 1999 was like. 1999 was my, like, I'm almost graduating high school beaches. Yeah. That's the time. I remember pulling up to the softball practice, blasting No Scrubs by TLC. Oh, yes. <laughs> oh, I, re- I remember when that was on the radio, man. Constantly. Ooh. When was anyway, that on the radio? In the night. 1999? In the late. Late, late, late 90s, like, early 2000s. Early 2000s, late 90s. Yeah. I don't think I remember before 2008. That's totally fine. Yeah. Definitely wasn't on the radio then. But anyway, that's an anthem for 90s people. Yeah, so I connect with all of the songs and references. Yay for that. Yay for the show and yay for that shirt that um, older Aaron gives. (laughs) Her dumb shirt. (laughs) Wait, is that an actual thing? Yeah. Yeah. Like the shirt. What is the shirt? Dumb shirt. The dumb shirt? It's like a. I feel totally lost right now. We're googling <laughs> for Caitlin, but like, I don't know what it stands for. I I want to check before I say something dumb. <laughs> I thought I don't. I'm so confused right now. Yes, Dave Matthews Band. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> oh! There are multi- Oh, that explains- Okay, I didn't realize that was an abbreviation, because Tiffany is also wearing a Dave Matthews Band shirt that she got from older Aaron. Yeah, somebody yeah. in the- Somebody- So they have this theme throughout the- If you see it, little things pop up of Dave Matthews Band, which was huge yeah. when Aaron, when Aaron would have been, like- Getting into- Like a teenager like college age like high school. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatnot. Yeah, that was huge where I was growing up, Dave Matthews fan. Yeah, so I wanted Still to make huge. sure well, I wasn't crazy and say and had interpreted it incorrectly. But no, Dave Matthews fan. Crash into me, baby. Good to know. Yes. Crash Dave, that's Dave Matthews, right? Yeah, that is Dave Matthews. Yeah. I always get them that song. Are they still that a song thing? always gets in my head. Yes, Dave Matthews man is still a thing. Where the Dave? For cool. some reason. 
I sometimes get Dave Matthews and Rob Thomas mixed up. I can see that. Why. But anyway, so yay for our nostalgic childhood references and things of that nature, at least me and Theora. And <laughs> and I hope you gain a better appreciation for Erin and exactly. if you are annoyed by her, that's kind of the point. Yeah, that is the point. And uh, oh. that's all we that's what we have to say about Erin. Yeah. And now it hydrate yourselves for less. Hydrate Jesus. yourselves. Hydrate because- yourselves right now. Because. This is part. This is part one. Uh-huh. And we need to hydrate ourselves for part two. Because, because guess what's coming up? Yeah. It's all the KJ and Max stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right. Come back for that. Come and back. bring your water. Lots of water. So much water. Well, thank you for watching uh, part Ooh. one. And you better come yeah. back for part two for all the gay stuff. Yay. Love you. Bye. And with that, we've been Big Gay Energy. If you like this episode, check out all of our other episodes on whatever you're using to listen right now. And please subscribe and like all the things. If you happen to be listening on Apple, we'd really appreciate it if you could leave us a review, no matter how brief. This is what Apple uses in their algorithm to uh, help us gain a wider audience. So please, please, please help us out. Yes, and please feel free to reach out to us. We'd love to hear from you about everything and anything. And if we like it, we'll probably give you a shout out on the air. You can find us at all the things Twitter at Big Gay Energy Pod, Tumblr, Big Gay Energy Pod, Instagram, Big Gay Energy Pod, or you can email us at biggayenergypod at gmail.com. Until next time, stay safe and hydrate for lesbian Jesus.